Welcome back to another week of Ew, That's Creepy. This week, we will be tackling the Allentown family murders, starting with the Freeman family this week. These murders are gruesome and vile, and this episode will discuss hate groups. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the podcast. Ew, that's creepy. We are here today with another episode and another theme. Yeesh. This one is not fun. No, this (laughs) one's brutal, actually. So our theme this week is going to be killer kids. And we are specifically talking about Allentown. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Killer kids, Allentown edition, baby. It sounds like a People magazine. It People is. magazine investigate. <laughs> it is. The twins investigate. Oh, love that. Um, but yeah, this one is really, really brutal. I honestly think probably the most brutal story we've covered so far. We mean like savage killings. Because obviously the wrongful conviction ones were probably the most enraging that you'll hear. Yeah, these ones are just... Even though I want to do more of those. <laughs> Yeah, these ones are just very violent, um, and they're just horrific, so we're a fair warning you now. If All of the trigger warnings. Yes, every trigger warning. If you, we're not saying, like, obviously if you love violence, but if you just are one of those people who you'd rather just hear a story that's No, this not, is going to be where the, we find out who the real true crime people are. We're the real crime junkies, because I know they're going to be, like, turning up the volume to this episode. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, the wrongful conviction ones, too. I saw a lot of listeners. I think those ones, people like those, too. But let's just get right into it. So, like I said, we are going to call these the Allentown murders because they're often referred to as that. If you will type in Allentown family murders, um, this story and the Jackie story will also come up. But specifically, this is in... Salisbury Township in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania. Wow, Salisbury is an hour and 20 minutes from Pittsburgh. So, oh, that's not that far. But it is small. It's a small town. Um, Lehigh County is it, a small working class town. Everyone seemed to go to church and it was pretty religion and faith based. But I did read that In Lehigh Valley in 1995, which is the year that this crime took place, there were 14 homicides in the first month of 1995. Oh, my word. Excuse me, 1996. But still, 14 homicides in the first five months? That's a lot for just some small little Pennsylvania town. That is like some serious crime. Yeah, girl. So... I mean, but it seemed like, it, again, it was small working class. Everyone seemed to go to church. Yeah, um, okay, well, it's not doing much for them <laughs> at this time. Well, let's get into that. So, we're going to be talking today about the Freeman family. They were a family of five, mother, father, and three sons. Brenda and Dennis Freeman were the parents. Their firstborn son was Brian followed by David one year later, 
and Eric five years later. So the Freemans were Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses. They were very active in their faith and they were very strict to it. From childhood, Dennis would make the boys accompany him on the door-to-door trips where he would ask people oh. about their faith and tell them about the Jehovah's Witnesses. We've all been there. We've all gotten a knock on the door. I'm not judging, but I just always, like, when people force their kids into that, I always just am like... Well, this was in the this was in the nineties too, so I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. In the eighties and nineties, time, different place. Mm-hmm. The parents were pretty strict with their faith. I mean, they were sticking to rules. Um, some of those rules were obviously about how the boys should behave. They were very disciplined. The household had a similar structure to church. They also were not allowed to do any sports or extracurricular activities when they were growing up. And I think personally the worst part is that they were not allowed to celebrate their birthday or Halloween or Christmas. Oh, not even their birthdays? Hmm. Yeah. That sucks. So I, I did a, there was a lot of research I could find on the story. So throughout, I kind of just want to point out some psychological kind of things that are happening just so we can maybe try and understand the horrific events that took place. Is this the part where I say, Melissa is not a licensed psychologist. Thanks, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to uh, Parcast at the Parcast Network. They're my favorite. I love them. I love every single show that the Parcast Network does, but especially cults because isn't that what Greg and that's what they're on is the I like female criminals with Vanessa. That's my favorite. When she will just be like, I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I have done a lot of research for the show. I know. I love it so much. That's my favorite for sure. <laughs> Me um, channeling Vanessa in this episode. <laughs> I'll be Greg, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. So, Greg, let's point out that the, psych- <laughs> the kind of psychological effects that this is going to have. And I'm not saying that growing up being a Jehovah's Witness is going to have psychological effects <laughs> and things like that. I'm just saying that this specific family was strict. So... It's, it could be that growing up, the boys kind of started to learn that they were sort of different from their classmates because their parents were strict and they couldn't have birthdays and do yeah. all the other things that the kids were doing. So, and you realize that as a kid. Of course. So I think they started already, they kind of were grown up, um, they grew up feeling a little bit different. The story really took place in 1995. Um Eric, the youngest son, is now 11, David is 16, and Brian is 17. Eric grew up in his parents' footsteps. He apparently was a little, he was so sweet, and he was active in the church, well-behaved, um, performed well academically. He, he was quiet, but I mean, they said that he was, of course, you know, a very, a great child. David and Brian, they were, um, they are the ones who end up having some trouble so god david oh my god david ew (laughs) brian was extremely intelligent he was a great student but he was quiet he didn't really make friends easily he was the kind of student though that teachers at first liked to have because he was well behaved um he was naturally smart but they said that they didn't really know who he was as a person he wasn't really you know someone that they knew his personality 
So that was Brian, the 17-year-old. David, on the other hand, was intimidating from the outside looking in. He was large. Um, he was tall and kind of like, he was just huge. At just 16, he was six foot three and weighed 240 pounds. Oh. Clearly, he stood out at school and no one was going to mess with him. Oh, my. Brian also, though, he was a man of stature. This had to have ran in the family. I going to say a manifestation. <laughs> Brian was just a manifestation of evil. <laughs> of large. <laughs> Could have been both. <laughs> he was six foot one and weighed about 215 pounds. Wow, these are pretty Thick. big kids. Thick. They're tall, boys. too, yeah. So they could clearly both hold their own. And they seem to really stick together since they didn't, they clearly didn't grow up making friends easily because they were so different. So they really stuck together and were close all through high school, even though they were a year apart. Um, so they were not making, again, since they weren't making friends easily, it also kind of had to do the fact that they were very large and tall at the time, which, you know, if you're not, uh, really on the football team or anything like that people are, are gonna stare at you when you're in high school yeah um it's an unforgiving place on top of everybody knew that their parents were strict as all hell yeah because you know that growing up in a small town you know people and you know their upbringing so i think people kind of were um judgmental probably some felt bad for them that they had strict parents you know as we all do but there are always going to be others who think they're strange and not be nice. And so, like I said, they really started to get in trouble and push their boundaries. Brian began drinking heavily. I heard that they both were drinking and doing um, substances at one point. In early 16 and 17? Yes. Wow. That's pretty. I'm not judging. Mm -hmm. But for drinking heavily, that's pretty early. Mm -hmm. I read that, and so some of the articles, too, kind of go, I, some of the articles were saying that Brian was the one who drank heavily. Others said that David was. Either way, one of them was drinking heavily and at one point had told a counselor that they had been drinking alcohol since age six. What in the world? How? How? Who knows if that's even true? Yeah, that's true. They just said that. Wow. Brian's alcohol use became so bad that at age 17, he was sent to a rehab facility. At the treatment facility, Brian was fascinated with another young man there who was covered in tattoos. Brian asked him what the tattoos represented, and the man was all too eager to tell him that they were white power tattoos. And he immediately was just trying to recruit Brian, who's this huge white boy. Oh, God, no. That's like a turn for the worst. I thought it was going to be like Satan. Hell no. Being well, Nazi, white power is like worse than that. I think that they might as well be one and the same. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, Brian, true. he did fall for it hook, line, and sinker. And no. became obsessed with no, Brian. Yeah, I know. Awkward laugh. I'm like... <laughs> now, the white power movement was very much obviously, about spreading themselves away from others that they deemed were lesser. They would communicate only between themselves. They were very strict with outsiders. And Brian fit easily into this. 
kind of because of his background since he was always someone who seemed like he was apart from the others I think that's I mean I'm not gonna say clearly I don't know but I think that's kind of a reason why he was able to fit so easily into this role of being in this trying to be superior yeah and he pretty much just fell right into it and easily was now a Nazi I feel like sometimes when you're an outsider, it's easier to, like, rationalize it to yourself as, like, I'm better than everybody than it is to be, like, exactly. I'm the weird one out. Because you don't really know other people. You just know yourself and your own intelligence, and you think you see these other people who are also powerful and intelligent. Yeah. I also think that since the boys were so pent up, like, all throughout the years, and they couldn't do anything that they wanted to do... And they thought their parents were so strict that I think just finding this extremist group was now just a reason for them to let out all this anger that they were holding in. Yeah. Because clearly, Brian left the treatment center and immediately recruited David to join the Nazi group. They also got a cousin named Benny to join the... Benny Birdwell. He also joined the white supremacy group. Wow, they're keeping it all in the family. Yep. Benny, however, was known to be a little less intelligent. He was more of a follower type. Uh, He kind of seemed like he just wanted to more fit in with his cousins and have friends rather than to be about the whole... um, That always really upsets me for some reason. Yeah, it's sad. So the three boys started to get involved with drugs, alcohol, again, things that are just dark, all things neo-Nazism. It's no good. At first, the Freeman parents, Dennis and Brenda, they tried to discipline the boys, but the boys would just threaten their parents with violence. They were huge, so I mean... Yeah, and there's two of them. Yeah. It got to the point that Dennis and Brenda could not discipline them at all, and Dennis was sleeping with a baseball bat under the bed. Oh my gosh. That's like very intimidating if you are that scared of your children. Like, what do you even do? Listen to how heartbreaking this is. No. The youngest son, I have to. Yeah. Listen, right now. (laughs) Damn it. Sorry, Craig. (laughs) The youngest son, awkward laughter. The youngest son, Eric, had even asked an aunt if his dog could live with her because he was scared that his brothers would harm him when he, harm the dog when he was away. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Did they let the dog? I'm not sure. The boys continued to distance themselves from their family, becoming closer and just completely becoming, falling into neo-Nazism. They don't hurt the dog, do they? No. Okay. Brian, David, and their cousin Benny joined their a neo-Nazi group locally, and... Then they kind of started to form their own neo-Nazi group. Like, not really anything big, just between the three of them, kind of, you know. (laughs) Brian was clearly the leader, since he was the oldest and considered the most intelligent. Um, Ben was... Ben and David kind of just went along, but... I mean, I'm not saying they just went along. All three of them were clearly co-conspirators in this. There was just a leader. Exactly. Mr. and Mr. Freeman, at this point, knew things were just getting out of hand. Things were just increasingly getting worse and worse. And the boys are forming their own Nazi group upstairs. How much worse can it get as a parent? (laughs) It can clearly get worse. The Uh, parents were sleeping with a padlock on the outside of their door for safety. Um, 
Eric or David had actually joined the football team for a little bit. He tried to join the football team um, and go against his parents' wishes again. And when he did, he got kicked off shortly after for threatening to kill the coach in an argument. Oh, wow. Yes. I thought that maybe that might be good for him to get out some like pent up anger through sports. But uh, I guess uh, not. No, I think he just wanted to Nazi around. To rage. It's horrible. Uh, Mrs. Freeman, and this is really too sad because Mrs. Freeman tried repeatedly to actually get help. She wasn't just one of those parents who thought it would pass over anything. She she knew. Yeah, she first went to the church and asked the church for help. They said that she just needed to be more strict and pray and do all those things. Like that was going to help at this point. I was going to say she's been doing that. Mrs. Freeman called the school and asked to speak to a counselor for outside help. She did speak to, I think she actually spoke to the president and the president of the United States. Girl, of the school. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I meant the principal. Oh, but girl, you said the president. But still, the president of like an academy, the principal of a school, it's the same thing. I don't know. You just said she spoke to the president. I was like, what? I know this is the 90s, but maybe things are different back then. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Moving on. So, Mrs. Freeman, she did get in contact with the school, and she did speak to the principal. And I think the principal told her at this point, you need to just go to the police because things are getting out of hand. Yeah, if it's, like, criminal where you're scared they're going to hurt you, I don't really think that a counselor is, like... And that's what he was kind of saying. You're scared at this point that they're going to hurt you. Like, that's... That's too much. (gasps) That was the principle. Exactly. Brenda, though, she didn't call the police because I think she just didn't want to get her her kids in trouble. She re- she went as far as reaching out to organizations and groups such as the Anti-Defamation League because of their neo-Nazism yeah. in a similar group called Tough Love, but neither gave her any assistance. And it's just sad because she really was trying. People always say you need to reach out for help, and she really was. It's sad because it's such a double-edged sword because people say, oh, you need to reach out for help, and then every time you reach out for help, people are always like, oh, you're exaggerating. And, and what like, is well, she... What? It's so true. What and am I supposed to do? What is she going to tell the police? They have nothing they can book the children on, even if they wanted to. What, yeah. she's going to say, I'm scared of my children? They'll probably just laugh at her. Literally. The more the boys got involved with the Nazi groups, the more they also resented and bullied their younger brother, Eric, which is very sad. They viewed him as the special child and the favorite since he never had problems with his parents or authority. First of all, he's 11. He's the youngest. So you guys had your bed and you laid in it before he even could make his. Don't put that shit on him. And that's literally not even his fault that you guys were bad and he's good. So he doesn't get in trouble. Like what? Yep. They started to terrorize their brother, and they even told him that they would kill him. Wow. They're just getting into trouble left and right at this point. We're going into, um, like I said, at, ni- at the end of 1995, David is suspended from the from school for his threats against the football coach. Brian is getting in trouble in school for threatening students, trying to get their lunch money in the cafeteria. They're threatening everybody. It's out of control. They're threatening and abusing others for fun at every chance they can get. Now, listen to this. Okay. 
we're getting into 1996 now. And one day when the boys are at school, Mr. and Mrs. Freeman are like, we've had it. This is enough. This has gone on for far too long. We're taking all the Nazi shit down. We're taking everything Nazi and violence from the boys' room. And they did. They took it all, everything, out. Good. And they even whew, sold the boys' car while they were gone. <gasps> oh, my. Do you want to know what the... Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Do you want to know what wow. the boys did in response to this? Sorry, Killed. that laugh was just horrific. I was Killed laughing you said. Not yet. The boys went to the local tattoo parlor, got Nazi tattoos on their forehead to show their parents that no matter what their parents took away from them, the boys would always have white supremacy. On their forehead. On so are they both the 18? forehead. No, wait, that's such a good point. The one is 17, so I don't know how they got... Or the, wait, one is 16 and one is 17, so I don't know how they it got is them. It's like, even though it's 96, isn't it like tattoo rules to not do someone's face as their first tattoo? Yeah, but they also look like 30, so I don't know. True. That's a good point. But, wow. Yeah, that's that so is true. Just like, but listen, that is crazy. And their cousin Benny went with them and got one, too. That's ridiculous. Brian and Benny got the word berserker. I don't even know what that means. While David got Sieg Heil, which is the Nazi salute that they give at victory rallies. Yeah. Vile. That's very disturbing. It's horrific. The parents, at this point, okay, so this is when the story really gets into it. So... I would just say trigger warning for the rest of the story as if it wasn't bad enough. Also, because this was in 1995, I have found in articles completely conflicting different information for the story. So that's typical. The story is the same, but okay. So let me just get into, this is one story that I read. Um, So first I read that no matter what, this was a couple, like two weeks after they got the tattoos, their parents clearly did not want them in the house anymore. I read that in one story that they came home and that the boys were allowed in the house. I don't know if they were trying to talk to the parents, if they went back for clothes or what, but they were permitted back, but their cousin Benny was not. Brenda, one night, um, or I'm sorry, so she, Brenda had told Benny to leave and he left and she went back upstairs, but she heard them letting Benny back in through the window. And so, when she came back downstairs, she clearly was pissed. She's like, you ain't slick. She knew. Duh. I can hear it. Yeah. And and so, she came back downstairs, and she clearly was mad. And so, they got into an altercation. Her and Brian got into a verbal altercation when Brian just pulled out a knife and stabbed his mother once in the stomach. Wow. Um... So, let me pause right here. I read in a separate article oh. <laughs> that the boys had came... I read in a separate article, so I don't know if that was the same story, but I read also that um, the boys were downstairs and all three of them had waited for Mrs. Freeman to come downstairs and Brian surprised her from behind, shoved a pair of shorts into her mouth, and then stabbed her. 
Um, uh, it kind of seems like the other would be more likely, but... So that was one article. So I think maybe Brian portrayed it as they got into an altercation. Either way, he ended up stabbing his mother. One account I read said that Mrs. Freeman actually pulled the knife from her abdomen um, while Brian yelled to Benny and um, David to go upstairs and kill Mr. Freeman and kill Eric or he would kill them all. That went to one attempt so quickly. It really did. It went from face tattoos to murder just so just, fast. I mean, I'm kind of not surprised in this story because it's just like, what other escalation did they have? You're Let's getting a tattoo on your forehead, like... Let's just keep going. What that okay? Getting a tattoo on your forehead though does not mean you're gonna kill someone. I'm but sorry, a Nazi a Nazi yeah. tattoo because your parents sold your car. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Let's just and, yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> so, um, it, it's just horrible. It's it's horrific. Mrs. Freeman was stabbed. She Brian yelled at the others to go upstairs and to kill Mr. Freeman and Eric. Um, when they did, Brian continued to stab Mrs. Freeman repeatedly. Ew. Benny and, uh, David went upstairs and upstairs. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I also read in an article from 1995 based on the coroner's report that Mrs. Freeman was not only stabbed, but she was beaten. And I saw in multiple articles that she was found naked from the waist down. That's disgusting. I did not read of any signs of assault. I just read that she was found. Um, For whatever reason, it's still disgusting. It is. Upstairs, David and Benny find Mr. Freeman completely asleep and um, just start swinging on him on his head and his chest area. Ultimately, With bashing his head and using a baseball bat and an exercise weight. The coroner described Mr. Freeman's head as being so bashed in that there was a four-inch gash. This is horrific trigger, which exposed his brain, or which exposed his brain, and the brain had actually started to quote mushroom unquote. One of the boys, um, it's debatable which one, then went into the room where Eric was still asleep as well. And they attacked him in the head with the handle of a three-foot pickaxe. They killed both Mr. Freeman and Eric in their sleep. All three boys uh, immediately fled the scene and ran once they had completed the killings. Ultimately, the weapons used were an aluminum baseball bat, a pickaxe handle, a weight bar, um an exercise weight of some sort and a knife to stab Mrs. Freeman. The next morning after the murders, Mrs. Freeman's sister came over to the house for a routine visit with the family and unfortunately discovered them. Oh, I'm so disgusted. I'm just like, I know I told you the story was bad. It went really from just being not just being, but it went from family drama to just this horrific thing. And I think it's just like... It's just like so sad to me that it's like the only thing that happened was that kid meeting... Was the one son meeting that kid. It's and just, being introduced to it. Yeah, and it's just sad because it's like when you're a teenager and you just have this pent-up anger and feel different and don't understand why and you just want to be like other kids. I just... I'm not obviously excusing what they did. It's, fu- it's just horrible, but... It, 
I think it was just all of this pent up anger and the parents did such a great job of trying to get help. And it's just one of those things that I think because it's in the nineties, no one really thought it would get yep. to this level. And no one ever takes teens seriously. And like, I get it because everyone's hormones are raging when you're a teenager, but it's just like, you can't just dismiss everything because nothing crazy has happened yet because it only takes like one one flip out like this and then the whole exactly. family's murdered. Exactly, yeah. Um, but thank God times have changed. A little bit. More and more. more yeah. And more. You're right. The Pennsylvania police were immediately called in and rather than local police, because it was a small town and I think they were busy with the 14 other homicides that were going on. <laughs> yeah, what, what, whatever else was going on in this town. Yeah, but they, the they kind of had to call in the Pennsylvania police because it was so obvious that the suspects were the Freeman brothers and their cousin Benny, who also just never came home mysteriously. I mean, I'm sure, no, I'm not even trying to be rude. I'm sure they looked at them and saw their size and stature and it was just like, oh. oh. And not even that. Mrs. Freeman had been so vocal about the fact that she needed help and that this was going on. So True. the school already knew. People already knew. They didn't really think of the consequences very much now, did they? No. Huh. Um. Okay, now point. Let's make a mental note for Jackie's story. The media coverage for this case was nuts. Students from Salisbury Township High School said that they were coming out of school and reporters were already approaching them for interviews. Oh my lord. You know, it's 1996. An entire family was just murdered by their Nazi sons. I bet it was like the Scream movie. This was unheard of. This this probably was like Scream. This was unheard of in this small Pennsylvania town. And, of course, every news station and media wanted to cover it, and they did. Um, and we all know how that goes. Any friends, relatives, associates of Brian, David, and Ben were terrified. And the principal in the high school received tips from students who heard that the boys were, quote, going to come and kill the Jew principal, end quote. <gasps> So, even the principal now is fearing for his safety. Oh, and they just freaking I will him out. say, I will say, like, the boys had no friends. And who was going to, like, tell a friend that and tell the principal? I think that kind of people just made that up. And I think they just exaggerated because the principal was uh. Jewish and they were Nazis. Because I only saw that, I think, in the um, with Killer Kids episode. But, I mean, either way, they could have said that in the past. Who's to say? Yeah. It's horrible either way, and he had every right to be afraid, honestly. Yeah, I would be too. In actuality, though, the boys had run off with a fellow neo-Nazi friend, or they were trying to get to another neo-Nazi's friend in Michigan. I guess who said that they would, I don't know, take them in. But on the way, the boys stopped at a restaurant next to a truck stop, and a trucker either recognized them or thought they looked scary, and he called the police. And the police were able to track the boys down. Surprisingly, that they, they did all go peacefully. There wasn't any resistance or anything, which was kind of surprising because police thought that they were going to be these brutal killers who wouldn't go down without a fight. Yeah, but I thought they'd go out guns blazing, but okay. No. I don't think that they really had the reality sink in of what they had done. Yeah, definitely not. That's what I feel like it happens a lot of the times, especially with younger people who kill. Mm-hmm. 
like that. They just, it doesn't hit them. Yeah. It's disgusting, though. Once the three men are arrested, their loyalty, of course, was tested. Let's see about the Nazi group now. Brian and David weren't really talking, but Benny was just spilling. The weak link is always going to spill. He told police that he was not at the actual murders and that he had no involvement. And he has stuck to that. He has said that he was there, but he didn't participate. He didn't go. I think he claims he didn't go upstairs when Benny and the... Or, I'm sorry, when Mr. Bremen and Eric were murdered... It's like, then why were you even there, though? Or he said that because he... Because you, obviously, you guys had Or he said stuff. that he... Or he said that he had went up in that... He went up, but he just didn't participate. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. When the Freeman brothers hear this, they are ready to talk. Yeah, they're like, <coughs> all right, we changed my story now. Yeah, they heard that, and they said, um, we'll talk now. Benny is lying. They tell police that Benny was there and that he participated in helping killing Mr. Freeman. Uh, Benny was not the brightest, though, because what he didn't realize was that he was still wearing the same shirt that he was wearing during the murders. Because police tested all their clothing and he had DNA of um, Mr. Freeman on his shirt. So... He didn't have Mrs. Freeman's DNA, but he had Mr. Freeman's, which is kind of the story that they told that Brian had killed his mother and that David and Benny had went up and killed Mr. Freeman and Eric. Crucial mistake. Always take your clothes off. Come on. Yep. Thanks for giving tips to murderers, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, that sounded so weird the way you said that, too. Like, always take your clothes off. Like, <laughs> I just sounded like a serial killer. <laughs> I just, yeah... I didn't mean it. I just meant, like, how can you be that... That dumb. Dumb yeah. to wear the same shirt to the police interview. Again, I just think they didn't even... Didn't they weren't even thinking. Think in what they did. Yeah, they weren't even thinking yep. real thoughts that were going to help them in any way, shape, or form. No. All three men are charged with first-degree murder. They thought, clearly, they would be charged as juveniles, but first-degree murder doesn't consider the age of the killer. <laughs> they thought... They thought. Brian, David, and Ben all received life sentences. There was clearly debate if the sentences were too harsh because at the time they were 16 and 17 and people debated, should the act of a 16 and 17 year old um, commit a person to life in prison? There was one, I think, lawyer or attorney who was very outspoken that he thought that the boys could change and that they would change and that they should be let out. And ultimately, the Supreme Court will be the judge of that because, as we all know, in 2012, the Supreme Court overturned life sentences for anyone convicted under the age of 18. So, yikes. The actual sentence won't be over like the actual sentence could be overturned it's not just like they'll get out of jail but they're saying that they could look into it and give them the possibility of maybe lessening the sentence and something like or that having parole. yeah mm. oh yikes slippery slope yeah uh, and who's to say i mean it seems pretty horrific to murder your whole family and your 11 year old brother but yeah i'll let the listeners decide on that one Mm-hmm. I, another thing that I read too, I kept reading that 
so since, again, they were 16 and 17, David and Ben, or I'm sorry, David and Brian are going to have their cases looked back into. It does take forever, though, like we saw in the, um, was it Desmond Ricks or was it Termaine Hicks? One of them, one of, I'm saying that one of their cases that we talked about previously had to do with the Supreme Court overturning it, I believe, or maybe it was a different case. Either way. Um, it takes a really long time. Like, yeah, like, it or, does take a while. Yeah, like we saw before, it takes a hell of a long time for them to actually look at Do it anything. and decide to even go to trial again, let alone make a decision at that point. So the last time I read was in 2019, and they were still reinvestigating their cases, and they are still just in prison kind of waiting for an update. I'm sure that COVID has just completely slowed down everything and that there's no update coming soon. Wow. Brian is very outspoken. He will talk to, uh, now since he is older, he will talk to people, to reporters and um, people like that about what happened. He does say that he really doesn't understand why he did it. He understands that he was just super angry and upset at the world and, uh, just had rage but he does say, claims, that he regrets the murder every single day and would take it back if he could. Mm. He was asked, what do you miss most about your family? And he said, I miss the life that we could have had in the future. And went on to say that he really did think that in the future, that if that night didn't happen, that maybe he could have had a relationship with his parents. He, he said that he thinks he could have. He said that he thought they would have repaired their relationship just if, you know, this night didn't happen and if... Things didn't go down the way they did. That makes me sad. Whether you believe that or not is anyone's also true, story. Though, he could just be saying that to try to get out and all that his things up for debate. Well, the thing is now is that Brian and David are going to have to prove that first of all, they were, they're going to have to prove that they, as they, their parents, you know, either, I, I would say mistreated them. They're going to have to say something about, like, they're going to have to tie in the Jehovah's Witnesses and being, like, they're going to have to do some of that to get a case. But the biggest thing is that they're going to need to prove that they didn't intend to kill them when they go there. Uh, Which I... Good luck with that. Like you said, I do agree. Like, it is sad what Brian's saying, but at the same time, where did that knife come from that you have that you stabbed her with? And the baseball bat... The baseball bats and that stuff happened after. So I could see him saying True. to David and to Benny, kill them and them just getting household items because it kind of seemed that that was what they did. But they're there in the night when the other two are asleep. Just seems like uh, pretty mm-hmm. convenient. Yeah. And like they said, like in the coroner's report, her pants were off and there was in one report shorts shoved in Mrs. Freeman's mouth. That was Brian again the one who's claiming that he's so upset. True, like, where did that come from, So I, Yeah, I do think that they changed. I do. I think that all people change, but at the same time, it's going to be hard for them to prove that in court because they... It's going to be pretty hard to prove that they didn't intend to just come over and kill them all. Yeah, I agree. That's tough At least Mrs. Freeman. Yeah, that's a tough case. At least Brian, so... But surprisingly... Brenda Freeman's sister has spoken out recently in favor of them, claiming that they're not the same as the boys they were before, that they are very sorry that they cry whenever the murder is discussed. She has pointed out that, um, 
I think it is. I know that one of them got baptized. I believe it's Brian got baptized and actually went. Yeah, Brian got back to, baptized and went back to being a Jehovah's Witness. So I think they get their tattoos removed. Hell no, they can't get those removed. Who's going to do that in prison? I don't know if they could cover it with something black. No, the last time I saw Berserk 1 and Berserker 2 was still there. And that other one, I that other words I don't even want to say because they're so vile. So, no. Ew. Um, but yeah, again, like Brenda Freeman's sister, it's kind of sad. She does think that they should be released and she says that they're different. Uh, so who's to say, but stay tuned for that because like I said, they will still be deciding whether they think they should go back for another trial and see if it was first degree murder and if there should be life in prison. Either way, what they did was just horrific and it's horrible that their brother and their parents just... All they wanted to do was discipline them so they could be good people. Yeah. Well, the brother had nothing to do with that. He was innocent. Which all parents, I mean, most parents do with their teens. Yeah. And even if the parents were strict, they really wanted to just get help for their sons. And it's just so sad that it came down to this because it just makes you think if the sons just would have went out and just tried to, like, do something different, maybe they could have missed their parents and rekindled the relationship rather than just being so filled with hate. Yeah, like, they were so young and it's so sad because I'm sure they are different. I mean, I think back to who I was at 16 and it's just like, what the hell? But I don't know. It's just (laughs) one of those things that it's like you, not even your parents, your brother, Mm -hmm. your little brother, like, what did he do to deserve that? Yeah. And that's, I'm sorry, that's three killings. That's all. Yeah. A good amount of victims. Yeah. Between the neo-Nazism and the face tattoos, it's just... Why did it have to go to neo-Nazism face tattoos? Why did you have to kill your parents after that? And your brother. And someone said at one point... Oh, I forgot about this. This is another thing that might make it hard for them, is that someone said at one point that one of the brothers told them in school, a fellow student testified that... Or is going to, I don't know, said that... One of the brothers told him that if he would have been awake and been there when the parents sold the car, he would have killed them right then. Honestly, I believe that. And I think that was said before the murder. And I'm sure that's why the parents didn't sell the car when the kids were there. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. It makes you wonder. It's kind of sad and it's like, it does make you wonder. It's horrible that they had a padlock on their door, but it clearly just wasn't on that night or... Oh, Mr. Freeman probably wouldn't have passed away, but that's neither here nor there. That was just something horrible that I, I don't even know why I felt the need to bring up. (laughs) That's so sad and crazy. And you know what? It's nuts because your story next week. Well, later on this week, it's also crazy. Braziness. It's uh, scariness. It will relate a lot to this one, and you guys will hear why shortly. So. Stay tuned. If you even want to hear another one. If you don't, I mean, shit. I want you to keep listening, but I don't even blame you, honestly. That was a rough one. But I'm sure you guys will come back for more. You always do. We love you. We love and appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And again, we're sorry we had to tell this horrific tale, but we hope you guys enjoyed our episode. And we will see you guys soon on the second part of Killer Kids Allentown Edition. Boo. Horrible.
Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.